almost the weekend. <laughs> sure is. Yes, here we are once again. Me, Joe, perfect voice. Perfect Adam voice. Boy 90. Joe uh, Tool. Anime yeah. Boy. Chainsaw Man is out. Anime oh, Boy is sated. <laughs> Consider me sated. <laughs> uh, how you doing, uh, man? I'm doing real well. How did you uh how did you like Chainsaw Man, by the way? I really loved it. Um mm. Yeah, the they really captured a lot of what was cool about the manga really well. Um, yeah. There's some nice, like, shot-for-shot shot stuff, which I thought was really nice. I love it when they do that. They, like, redo, you know, pretty much the entire composition of the frame uh, mm. and just animate it, which is cool. And then there was, like, really creatively put-together sequences in there that uh, weren't in the manga, which is very cool to see as well. Hell yeah. Um, I like what they did with Denji's design. Uh, he he still has both his eyes in the manga, whereas in the anime, he he only has one. Oh, um, is this Denji? Um, is Denji the main character? Yeah, yeah. Right. Okay. Yeah, he he says that he sold one of his eyes uh, at the start. Oh, that's episode. right. That's right. Yeah, oh man, yeah, that's so the... poor. The start is full on. He's talking mm. about like all the body parts he's sold to pay back his debt. That's yeah. cool. Yeah, they really pushed the whole indebted thing this time around, which is which is interesting. Yeah, um, I wonder how closely Mapper, the studio, would have worked with the creators to be like, "Hey, this is what we we want to change." Like, is yeah. I, I wonder if that's like a collaborative effort, or you know, Mapper effectively buy the rights for the anime and then they just get to decide to do whatever they want yeah i have no idea how it works dude um mm. I, I imagine um from what i know about the creator um I, I watched a little video about some other manga that he's written oh yeah um and he seems fairly like uh his his main thing seems to be like story over anything else um right so like he i'm sure he would be pretty fine with them changing like a couple of aspects about the appearance of some characters um mm -hmm. obviously like they've changed the face of the main character so he, he's flexible in some ways but um mm. yeah i think there'll be like parts of the story that he like really is insistent on keeping like one for one so i'm kind of keen, keen to see how that rap uh, turns out as well because there's some mm. stuff in there that's like denji's main character trait like the thing that he wants <laughs> It's just to have a girlfriend. Yeah, uh, yeah. And so I'm interested to see where they go with that. Uh, it's, it's, you know, the way it changes up in the manga. I don't know. I'm, I'm just like, I'm just a, feel like a mega fan gushing right now. So that's good. I'm here. Yeah. I'm here for the gush. Yeah. <laughs> here for the gush. I'm here for the gush. Like I can fucking talk. There was, uh, <laughs> we a, had a flower. There, there was an episode recently. Uh, and yeah, so, you know, feel free to gush. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, I'm going to re rename that episode here for the gush. Oh uh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> but no, uh, it's very cool. I really love the intro, um, which, which you mentioned you didn't watch because of the spoilies and the way that anime do that, the fucked up thing where they like show you, you know, footage yeah. from the final episode in the intro sequence which is always super fucked up yeah i i hate that i mean i think if you've read the manga and you're a fan already it's not really gonna, uh, yeah. it's not gonna matter um yeah, but yeah. like if if you're coming in fresh like i mean yeah there's just a lot of instances um where i've started a new anime and you know even just like character designs being spoiled like i love just mm. being surprised when yeah, i watch yeah. something and so like 
Um, yeah, like watching something and have a character appear that's super fucked up that I've never seen before, like that kind of, I value that a lot. Yeah, um, right. And, yeah. and like watching the intro can take away from that kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah, hell yeah. I mean, um, yeah, there's a lot of cool, interesting, weird characters in the show or in the, in the manga and um, same with the demons, which it looks like they've actually changed up a lot of the demon design as well. The right. demon design in the, in the manga is slightly different in this one that seems like they're more tentacly at least a little bit i don't know <laughs> based on the first episode yeah cool uh, yeah uh that's pretty cool and um yeah there's been some interesting chatter online about it because folks are like i've been trying not to engage with a lot of it because i just don't care about what other people think about the show <laughs> but i only care about how i feel about it but yeah people are like um saying stuff like uh there's parts of it that are trash because it's done in cg and oh, then, like... so so I actually wanted to ask you because it mm. felt it felt like um I mean Mapper coming off the back of Attack on Titan, yeah. um and and what you talked about um during that anime episode like yeah. they've just become so good at having two D and three D CGI happening at the same time, and it yeah. it seemed like they took advantage of that with that first episode of Chainsaw Man like the fight scene. You know, I think he's his chainsaws are 3D and yeah. so, some of the minions he's dispatching are 2D and it just felt really good. The art style seemed consistent. Like, what did you think? Yeah, I agree. I mean, I wasn't actively trying to pick out the parts that were 3D and I'd never really noticed shots that were 3D. Um, right, right. There was a couple of instances where, like, his, like, chainsaw head felt a little bit, like... 3D-ish, but mm-hmm. um, a lot of the time in, in the instances where people are pointing out that shots are 3D, they're being told by professional animators that those shots are in fact 2D. And mm-hmm. so like, there's all this like confusion around like, you know, what exactly it is and people who don't know what they're talking about are being like, uh, you know, like, I don't like the way 3D frame rate looks. And it's like, well, you know, a lot of the time in the shots where there is 3D being featured, the 2D is being animated to match, you know? So like if the shot, if it's like a 3D camera and it's moving all smoothly, all on, you know, 24 frames a second, Mm -hmm. then the 3D will be moving or then the 2D elements will be animated at 24 Mm -hmm. frames a second as well, or done in Mm -hmm. such a way that track to the frame. Yeah, there's all sorts of ways you can do that and it's not like just pressing a button it's like usually there's complicated uh, processes and things that need to happen like in spider-man into the spider-verse they did a lot of that you know 3d camera um moving all on 24 frames a second all on ones is what we say and then characters moving on twos or threes um oh, man. And, and there's a way to make uh, make it look good yeah that is, that is not um, trivial. So yeah, M- Mapper's doing really cool stuff, I think, with the with the 3D elements in this. And I, I didn't pick a lot of it. And I, I'm probably wrong myself about the stuff that I thought was 3D versus 2D. So I think, right. I think it's cool that they're just like, yeah, we're just doing it. You know, we're, that, that's the, I was thinking about this this morning. That's the thing that's like kind of beautiful about animation is there's like a million different ways to get to the end result, you know, right. to get to the yeah. final shot. And the path in which you choose to get there is like, um, the you know the the tools that you use along that path like leave their mark on the final look in all sorts of really um unreconcilable ways so like you know if you choose to use 3d it like ends up somewhere you know like some artifact in the final image is 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 visible but the way that mapper put it together is it's like it's not clear 
exactly on where these, you know, these um, artifacts are being littered throughout. And it's kind of just so fast and furious and gory and wild. Mm. It's just like, it kind of just leaves all of that stuff irrelevant, which I think is really cool. Yeah, um, yeah absolutely. So, yeah. I'm one episode in, I'm already like getting philosophical about <laughs> So that's where we are with Chainsaw Man. Uh, cool. Yeah, I'm I'm keen to see how it it unfolds. It's been it's been a bit of an anime week for me. Like uh, Mob season three has has also started up. Yeah. Um, and that's I mean that's just a show where they get the vibe just right. You know, it's very relaxing and funny, and mm. there's there's not many animes like that where you can just kind of turn it on no matter what mood you're in. Um, yeah. Hell yeah. I was trying to, um, speaking of mob, I remember mentioning or you talking about it last episode, I think. Yep. And saying like, um, I was saying how I, I wasn't sure if I'd seen all of season two or I mm -hmm. think I'd seen season two. I started mm -hmm. rewatching season two the other night just to make sure that I, I was up to date. I don't remember it. So I'm going to rewatch it. Oh dude. Season two is fantastic. Yeah. Really, really cool. Yeah. Like se season one was kind of pretty fun monster of the week type deal but like season mm. two is like this kind of strong narrative arc with a huge climax at the end so yeah big big recommend hell yeah yeah nice there's probably parts of it that i i'll get to like halfway through season two and be like oh you know what i have seen this <laughs> <laughs> but it's cool it's kind of like i don't remember a lot of it i must have watched it while i wasn't really paying attention to it. i don't know whatever but yeah um I'm pumped to watch some more Mob. And, uh, oh, dude, I watched the Jujutsu Kaisen movie. It's on Crunchyroll. Oh, there's a movie. Is it Yeah. Is it good? Is it similar? Is it the same? <laughs> uh, it's, I don't think it's good, but it's, like, serviceable. Like, it's, um, mm -hmm. I mean, it's beautiful, beautifully animated. And it's, like, you know, if you like the show, then you probably like watching the movie. But it, it doesn't progress anything with the story from the series right yeah it's just like supplementary reading it's in the past yeah okay. um if you really like certain characters there's like fan service for them you know you get to see them really fighting and going crazy and um you know it's there's some really cool sequences but it's just like i i wouldn't be like oh you need to watch this it's just yeah it's just whatever for me yeah cool yeah i can i can dig that vibe Oh man, yeah. you know what, man? This is this is the anime episode. Yeah, I yeah. um I also checked out Wolf's Rain. Um, oh yeah, yeah, that anime oh, no, Pete Jim. recommended. Oh, Pete. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, man. I've only seen the first episode, but like the world building is sick. It's kind of like got that eighties Akira aesthetic. Um, oh, cool. But yeah, it seems pretty cool. I think um I think it was a Bones production. It must Bones. be like an early Bones. Mm. Um production but man i thought i thought it was pretty great so that's you know that's definitely worth checking out if you're uh if you're keen for some older style stuff did but bones like, do trigun i don't know bones bones did soul eater oh right um and kill the kill did, no i that? think you're thinking of um oh god oh god i'm forgetting the name of it uh, <laughs> Uh, whatever. Uh, anyway, it, it was a, it was a studio I recognized. Um, and yeah, ev everything, everything was pretty high quality. So definitely. trigger, <laughs> trigger. So, trigger. Oh yeah. That's the one trigger. Okay. God damn. <laughs> Christ. Oh, <laughs> this this is, does not bode well. This episode. Oh, I can't remember the, the name of studio trigger. Oh, Jesus. Um, um, yeah, cool. Bones is a studio as well though. 
Right. Yeah. No, look, I, I was thinking about this the other day. You know, I just know so little about how an anime is produced. You know, yeah, like with, with movies and stuff, I feel like I, I know a lot. And uh, same with video games and, you know, with TV shows, I don't know that much. But even then, like, I know Vince Gilligan created Breaking Bad and Vince mm. Gilligan created Better Call Saul and, like, David Fincher created Mindhunter and all this stuff. Um, but, like, with anime, I don't know anything. Like, I know the name of the studio sometimes. Yeah. And I bet, you know, the the kind of directing forces that were in charge of those studios during certain eras have changed all the time. And it's just, like, yeah. it's just interesting that, like, I don't know, in Western productions there is a big... Um, precedence for having like a single name or two yeah. names as like yeah. you know these were the forces behind this production it's in their vision um yeah. whereas anime it's just like a corporation it's like bones <laughs> you know and that's yeah. like all, all you get to see bones yeah yeah totally i think uh from what i know i know very little as well but anime has a real issue with um fair work and like paying their animators uh a livable wage and so oh. you get it like high levels of churn and uh, right man yeah. honestly that just seems to be japanese corporations in general right like, right as as a culture the, the work-life balance is pretty fucked yeah. um and it, yeah it still feels like they're 40 years in the past when it comes to you know treating their workers like human beings but that's like a hugely generalized statement and it's just based on the japanese companies that i've paid attention to that uh, either make movies or video games. So, like, yeah, yeah. you know, I'm sure there's thousands of mum and pop shops that are <laughs> all about fair work and that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, you've been playing any video games? <laughs> <laughs> Just quickly, uh, on Studio Bones, they did do Wolf's Raid and they oh. did Full Metal Alchemist. Oh, Brotherhood or the original? Uh, it just says Full Metal Alchemist. I don't. Yeah, I think it was the original. I, I right. The the distinction is important because Brotherhood okay. is is the fucking shit. Like top top three, easy. That's right. That's wow. a okay. that's a real winner. Two thousand three, two thousand four was apparently the release date for that one. So I don't know if that means anything. Mm, no, I can't remember when they did Brotherhood. Okay. So I have no uh, idea. They did Oren High School Host Club, which uh, Phoebe loves that show. Ah, uh, yeah. Um, they did a show called Skull Man, which I've never heard of, but kind of want to check that out because <laughs> sounds similar to a certain other man. Uh, Soul Eater, <laughs> they did. Uh, oh, they also did Full Metal Alchemist Brotherhood. So oh, there you go. There you go. Awesome. Um, and a whole slew of others that I do not recognize that are probably okay. Uh, cool. Oh, they did My Hero Academia. Yeah, Studio Bones prolific, apparently. <laughs> uh, okay. Yeah. So I was, I was right in that Bones did Soul Eater. But wrong yep. in that Trigger did kill a kill, not Bones. Yeah, yeah. Trigger Trigger did kill a kill. Yep, sweet. Um, we know I... we know what we're talking about. We're extremely <laughs> informed yeah. on this. Knowledgeable animal anime boys. <laughs> <laughs> oh god. This is yeah. Anyway. So video games? Um yeah, yeah. yeah. Um Ah, what have I been doing? Uh, I've been playing a little bit of a game called Marauders. I think I might have mentioned it once. Uh, I don't remember Maybe. it. Tell me. Um, so Marauders is sort of like a... What do they call it? An extraction shooter? Mm. 
So it's like okay. hunt or like... Um, oh, yep, yep, yep. Where you yeah. got to get in and get out. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. Tarkov. It's, more, it's probably more similar to Tarkov than hunt. Um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So you have like... Uh, how can I describe this? It's sort of like a diesel punk in space game. Whoa. So you start on a ship and you pilot the ship into the map uh, or into the specific... Um, yeah, map that you get randomly spawned into. Uh, mm-hmm. There's other people flying ships. You can have a squad of up to four. Uh, you dock the ship on the on the map uh, and run around searching for gear and upgrades and weapons and all sorts of stuff. Sick. Uh, and then you have to get out. And to get out, you can try and find your ship that you docked, or you can take an escape pod and try and get. Pardon me. Try and get to the exit. Um, so yeah, it's, it's, it's much the same as Tarkov, but a, a little bit hunty and also a little bit lighter than Tarkov. Yeah. Okay. Um, Tarkov kind of requires you didn't like have a map up on the side of the screen to know where all the extracts are and, right. um, you know, know where everything is. And you, there's like 12 different types of ammo for every different gun and you have to know which is the best type. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas this is just like, yeah, this, this gun takes 10 millimeter ammo. Off you go. And it just gives you, you know, gives you the ammo. Um, but you still have to know what kind of, you know, you have to have that ammo in the first place. And it's not, it's just not as, um, like hunt is, is quite gentle. It's just like, have the gun. There you go. <laughs> There's right, no, like, I see. you don't have to worry so much about like having the right kind of ammo in your inventory or anything. Right. Um, that kind of sounds like the, uh, the battle Royale situation where you drop in with nothing and you've got to find the the guns and the attachments and the attachments yeah. have to suit the guns and that kind yeah, of stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It has a bit of that, uh, for right. sure. Right, Um But it's cool, the whole, like, ship piloting stuff. You can attack other people's ships and, like, um, while, they, while you're flying around outside the, the map area, I guess you would call it. It's, it's kind of mm-hmm. like flying around in space near the map. Yeah, um, okay. And you can uh, breach their ships with your escape pods and, you know, raid their ships and steal it. <laughs> it's pretty cool. That sounds pretty um, sick. Yeah, from what I've played, I haven't played a great deal, probably like three or four hours, but um, that part of the game seem, seems like less of a thing compared to actually b- being in the map and doing the raid uh, right. and like finding stuff. And it's also a bit buggy. The game's crashed on me like four or five times. No. Uh, yeah. And uh, I don't know. It's, uh, it's, it's, I think it's just a little bit early and it feels kind of the word that I've used that is just terrible for describing things is clunky. Mm-hmm um yeah it's just like there's no reticle in the middle of the screen some of the guns behave really like they're just really like i don't know how to describe it um i mean clunky's clunky's clunky. doing doing it's you know it's putting it's in the hard like, yards yeah I yeah can, i can picture it um is yeah. it is this something that's in early access or is it released mm-hmm. it's right, in early, it's access, early access yeah yeah okay yeah um, so I think it's got a lot of room to grow. It could be a cool game, but for now I'm kind of feeling a bit like, yeah, I don't know if I want to play any more of it. Yeah. So, yeah. It's, um, definitely that thing that you spoke about the other week about multiplayer games. Like, I'm glad that I'm spending time with friends while I'm playing this, which is cool, <laughs> but I think the game actually isn't good. <laughs> it isn't, but <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, at least yet, yet, not yet. That's how they get ya. Yeah, that's how they get ya. Um. <laughs> I, but other than that, though, dude, I haven't really been playing much. I played a little bit of Hyper Demon, I played a little bit of Hunt. Mm-hmm. Uh, haven't played any Splatoon in a little while. I'm keen to get back to it. Uh, yeah, cool. That, that's kind of it. What about you? Any any video games? Uh, yeah, I've been playing a game called Ape Out. It's, Ape Out. Yeah, 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 I know Ape Out. Hell uh, yeah. Oh, uh, uh, dude, fucking cool ass video game. It's mm. it's like 
kind of that top-down Hotline Miami style, super fast-paced action, and yeah, yeah. Uh, and you're just like this ape breaking out of a military base, and you can walk around, you can push, and you can grab, and that's it. And yeah, it's just yeah. like the soundtrack is all drums, and whenever <laughs> that, and whenever you like do something like push someone into a wall or grab them like you get like a cymbal hit or a crash and Mm. it's just like it feels really kind of you know like the presentation is top notch um Mm. and yeah the art style is really cool like i'm not sure i've played something that has an art style quite like this in that it's super stylized very few colors um Mm. it's always easy to understand what's happening on the screen but like the walls are also the shadows so (laughs) so so like as you walk along a hallway the kind of because of the lighting is like right on the ape in like a top-down way the kind of shadows you know just like if you're walking through the middle of a stadium the shadows start appearing behind you Um, and because the walls are the shadows, like the level kind of unfurls. Right. I get you. Yeah. 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 It's, uh, it's, it's really cool, but just, uh, yeah, you know, pretty, pretty short and sweet game. There's like a couple of, a couple of tapes and you play a couple of levels on side A and then side B, but yeah, pretty, pretty cool. I'd, uh, I'd, I'd recommend it for one of those games that, you know, is pretty cheap and you can just jump in at any given time and, and, you know, kill military dudes for a couple of minutes. <laughs> Jump As an ape. in and ape out. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah that's, so that's, that's pretty that's cool. Tagline. Yeah, hell yeah. That's awesome, man. I've, I've seen it. That's a very, like, um, Devolver game, right? Like, yeah, so yeah. They, I, Devolver see that and they're like, oh, yeah, this is it. This, is, this belongs to us. <laughs> <laughs> totally, totally. Yeah. Um, and on the other side of the spectrum, I've uh, started playing Super Mario Galaxy. Oh, number one? Number one. Um, wow. I never played it. I I went straight to number two, uh, which is an absolute ball. Mm. And uh, yeah, you know, it's it's pretty good. It's just got really great music. Um, got that classic Mario gameplay. I, I wouldn't say it's as good or as polished as Mario 64 or Galaxy 2. Yeah. Um, but you know, the bar is pretty dang high, so you can, yeah. you can forgive it for that. But yeah, I, uh, I'm probably just over halfway now and it's starting to get a lot more fun. Um, yeah, cool. the first half was very baby handholdy. This is definitely a kid's game. And the second half, like I've got more access to secret levels and shit is harder. Yeah. Um, but it's just relaxing overall. You know, I just did this secret level that was the hardest level um, I've beaten so far. I died like 20 times and I, you know, I went into that level and I had about six lives. And when I Mm -hmm. finished the level after dying 20 times, I had 12 lives. So like Mm. it's even the hard levels, they make it just very easy to progress because, you know, it's just about having fun. It's not about kind of smashing your head against a wall over and over again. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, that's an interesting thing, right? Like, the punishment in Mario games has always been, like, not really there. It's like, <laughs> yeah. in um, Mario 64, you got booted out of the painting and you lost two chunks of health. 
Yeah. And then that was kind of like, oh, now I have to get my health back or... But you get health back by getting coins. And so it's like, there's coins everywhere in their game, man. And then um, if you die, you just get the Bowser laugh and you go back to the front of the castle or back to the... Yeah, back to the front of the castle or inside the castle. I can't remember. Yeah, yeah. if you well, if you if you die, you get kicked out of the painting. But if you game over, you just get sent outside of the castle. Yeah, it's like oh, now I got to run back to the painting. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I I like to think that they want you to consider your actions as you do like a walk of shame back to the painting. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. The process of that's a a really beautiful way of looking at it. The process of walking back to the paintings, like okay, next time I get that chance to think about it. Yeah, that's great. Uh, it's genius um what was i playing recently that had oh it was uh hyperdemon the way that you get back into the runs so in hyperdemon when you die Mm -hmm. they uh artificially reposition your mouse without you noticing over the retry button which is oh sneaky bastards yeah yeah oh my god yeah hell yeah Um, yeah that's awesome man mario galaxy are you playing it on the switch uh, yeah, yeah, I, a couple of years back, I bought that, like, three-piece Mario feed, uh, oh. you know, it, it was, like, 64 Mario Sunshine and Mario Galaxy. Oh, wow, that's awesome. Uh, I didn't even know they, oh, that's right, they did that batch of the, yeah, I remember that. Is yeah. That... Yeah. Do they still have that or not? Uh, I don't know. I remember there was all this kind of clusterfuck around yeah. it being a limited release or something. Yeah, yeah. Oh, but <laughs> yeah. That, that doesn't seem real, right? Like, why would they, re- like, remaster this? Oh, I, I don't know if it's remastered, actually. It's just ported. But why would they yeah. port this package of games and then only sell them for a limited time? Like, the, oh, dude. the work That's... is done... They may as well <laughs> just leave it on their store that's fully operational. Like I don't know. We'll, yeah. we'll have to see. We'll we'll have to see. Go and go and have a look on the store and see if it's there. And if it's not, I'll just be fucking flabbergasted. Yeah, yeah. What do you know? What the the pack is called? Is it called like Mario's Big Day Out or something? <laughs> yeah, Mario's Big Day Out. The sequel mm. to Ferris Bueller's Big Day Off. Um, uh, no, I have no idea. Um, okay. I just remember it, you know, it popped up. Um, I think I bought it on my birthday actually in like 2020. Um, oh, wow. Yeah. And I was just like, fuck yeah, I want to play some Mario 64. And, uh, yeah, that game is still silky smooth. Yeah. That's awesome. Did you, and, and you played that recently, 64? Yeah. I mean, I, I jump into 64 every now and again. Cause like, like every game on the switch, it takes two seconds to load up. Yeah. Um, and it's just, yeah, I, I, I think the controls in Mario 64 are, are still better than Galaxy 1, for sure. Well, yeah. Um, I, yeah, I don't, you know, they, they're, they're changing things. Like, they don't have the, um, uh, the kind of dive in Galaxy 1. They've got the spin that he does. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I much prefer the dive because it helps you cover ground, whereas like the spin just makes you go slightly higher. And they've yeah. they've designed the levels around the spin, so it's all good. But I just love that freedom of movement where you can be like jumping around and diving, and yeah, it just feels a bit better in my opinion. Mm-hmm. So, um, the yeah, it is actually not available on the eShop anymore. Uh, oh, left on March thirty first of two thousand twenty one. What the fuck? That uh, is so weird. 
yeah, like there's a buy now button, you can press it, but it doesn't, it just takes you to a page where Wario is smiling at you saying whoops, uh, which is terrifying. Oh my god. Why would um, they do a limited release? Is that like some fucking demand through scarcity bullshit? Yeah, probably. You can, you can still buy the hard, uh, not the hard, <laughs> you can buy the hard edition. You can buy a hard copy. Uh, where yeah, you, um, you die in the game and you die for real. <laughs> yeah, Mario punches you out after you, lo- after you lose. Um, yeah, the, what do you call it? The CD or the, the you know, the, what the fuck? Uh, the, the... <laughs> the cartridge. cartridge? Oh yeah, my god. Yeah, the cartridge. Throw throw my man a bone over here. <laughs> oh god, save me. Um, um I yeah. can look, I can I can release you from from uh from your current predicament. Uh I've got mm. I've got a three piece feed. If, Hell yeah. Uh, if that's my, Yeah. My <laughs> tight mouth is open and ready to be saved. Alright, let's uh let's shove some peasants in there. Um da- all right. Oh, oh yeah. So this is uh, this this news is a week old. Um, That's all right. But but it is it is uh, pretty interesting. This first piece of news is something that I've I've been following since October first. So, um, Zat um or ZA slash UM. I don't know how to say that. But they're the studio oh, yes. behind Disco Elysium. Mm-hmm. Um, they've copped a lot of criticism these last couple of weeks after Martin Luiga tweeted that three of the main creative forces behind Disco were involuntarily fired from the company in late right. 2021. Okay. Um, so the three people who have been fired are Robert Kurvitz, Helen Hendpeer, and Alexander Rostov. And these these are the big cats. Um, yeah, right. So basically the, the way things started is before Zaram was like a studio and a corporation, it was like a creative collective. Mm. Um, if you want to imagine Andy Warhol's factory, yeah. uh, except based in Estonia, that's kind of what this was like. And so Martin Luiga, who tweeted, and Robert Kurvitz, who was fired, um, they were the co-founders of the collective. Um, and like, I think the collective started way back in 2009. Um, and Handpeer and Rostov were, were early in the piece as well. Um, they're responsible for the game design and the art in Disco mm-hmm. Elysium. And I mean, the world wouldn't exist without Robert Kurvitz. He was um, the the lead designer, and like part of the reason why Disco's world feels so fleshed out is because um, it's it's a world based on his uh, novel *Sacred and Terrible Air*, which mm. was released in 2015, um, and and still doesn't have uh, an English translation. Um, unfortunately, but I am, I'm super thirsty for that. I think there are some fan translations of the first few chapters out there, but like he hasn't sanctioned them. So it's a bit murky. Um, anyway, so, um, yeah, this like Kurvitz, Hendpeer and Rostov are obviously on some kind of NDA because they've been fired from the studio for almost a year and no one has known about it. No one's been able to say anything. Um, and it's a bit whack because, um, Kurvitz is a majority shareholder, 
um, you know, he still owns, I think Kervitz and, and Hindpeer are still own like 40% of wow. the studio they've been fired from. Um, and I think I read that he's preparing to, to take them to court. Um, but again, like there's no information about this. This is just kind of like, because Martin spoke out on Twitter, um, mm. and he obviously, didn't care about any legal ramifications or he is able to do that without losing his job or whatever. Yeah, um, right. But yeah, and you know, there's just been like, there's been a lot of backlash because these guys have been fired for almost a year now. The studio is hiring for monetization specialists. Cool. Um, they yeah. were in the middle of production for their next project. Um, and you know, it, when I was researching this, I couldn't confirm anything that, you know, made it seem like they were working on a sequel, but a lot of, um, publications have been like, they were working on the sequel, but it was just the next project. I, I can't, you know, there's nothing I could find that says they were working on Disco Elysium 2. Um, and yeah, it's just kind of really unfortunate because that game is so special and um, especially considering the themes that it tackles yeah. around capitalism specifically. Yeah. Um, yeah, I I read this article written by a journalist called Carol Lasker and they, they had a really good quote, which I've got here. Go for it. They say, if this may serve as testament to anything, it would be the fact that artistic vision doesn't permanently belong to its author, especially once it starts wearing a suit. And I thought... Ooh, that's good stuff. I thought that was good stuff. And, like, the thing, the the quote from this... that's so good. <laughs> it just it keeps hitting me in waves, dude. That's good stuff. Yeah, that is that is really yeah. good. And that's that's original from that journalist. Um, yeah, and and there's great. a And there's a quote that's been floating around from the game itself, um, mm. which is... Capital has the ability to subsume all critique into itself. Even those who would critique capital end up reinforcing it instead. And that's mm. just a really kind of solemn um, interpretation of what is basically happening with that game and that studio and, you know, what financial success is doing to the financiers that run the company. Um, yeah. Yeah, it's quite... Uh, un unusual. I mean, yeah. Thanks for that. I've got a little bit of a follow up here as well that I found right before the pod. By oh Martin. yeah. Um, I think it was either his tweet or a Facebook post. It looks more like a Facebook post to me, but it could just be. I don't know. Mm -hmm. Um, do you mind if I just read through it real quick? Oh yeah, go for it. Um, so Martin says, "On how do you pronounce the studio name Zaum?" I have no idea. Yeah, Zaum. Zaum. <laughs> I'm, I'm, really I'm going to say sure. Zaum. Uh, I'm gonna. I'm sorry if that's incorrect. Uh, I understand, this is Martin, I understand that a lot of Western press view Zalm as a game studio, but they're not, they're a cultural collective, like you said, and this whole tragedy is actually a huge thing over here. Zalm is an extremely prolific cultural collective and put out literature, cultural criticism, zines, and a lot of work for the past decade. And this bullshit is dismantling one of Estonia's very few cultural production houses of note. The three main actors involved, uh, which people... Uh, sorry, the three main actors involved, which people note, Kurvitz, Hindpeer, and Rostov, which you mentioned, and the founder, uh, Luigia, uh, I'm just going to call him Luig, uh, mm -hmm. not game devs or industry people, people, but musicians, authors, and cultural critics and activists. 
The game is just one of hundreds of works output from the collective since their founding. Just one that called it's just one that called for foreign capital to realize once they decided to run with the project. Hmm. I think that might be like a little bit of a key insight right there, you know, like of all of the, the projects that Zam has been responsible for over the past decade. Mm. This is one that has required foreign capital to realize yeah. uh, and to bring to fruition. Um, so, yeah. you know, obviously it's some publisher. The UK investors in the game that were, uh, sorry, the UK investors in the game were the ones negotiating the rights sale to Amazon for the adaptation. Zam wasn't happy. And a lot of finance bullshit happened that ended up stealing the games as an adaptation of Kurvitz's book out from under him and the cultural collective. Right. So many here are just leaving knowing that they don't have control over their own intellectual property anymore. So the studio seems to just be dissolving because of this. Mm. Estonia, Estonia doesn't have much good going on over here right now in the country's second slide, uh, slide into fascism and Zoom were among the small bright spots we had. Mm. <clears throat> so... Yeah, I didn't know that about uh, Zam, that they weren't actually a game studio and that these people weren't, you know, uh, games people. Yeah. They're just, you know, creatives and, you know, authors and stuff. I mean, uh, they, they honestly sound like a bunch of talented freaks. Like, mm -hmm. after after they... And, and, you know, I think Kent Peer and Rostov helped Robert Kurvitz write um, Sacred and Terrible Air, but, you know, they wrote it in es Estonian. And yeah. then when, you know, after their kind of obsession within the collective um of tabletop games they decided to kind of oh. move things into a, a, a game mm. and they learned english to do that like wow that's just that blows my mind the fact that that is just one of the most well-written games i've ever played and it comes yeah. from people who don't speak english as their native language yeah. <laughs> like oh my god that's dude i did insane. not know that yeah. yeah and and also just to kind of like um uh like acknowledge the work of the collective like there are a lot of writers in that game um mm. you know looking at the credits i remember seeing like 10 to 14 writers so yeah. ob obviously you had these three figureheads um but there's there's a lot of work um, that, that went a lot of additional work that went in on top of the kind of core skeletal, you know, ideas that the three figureheads had. Um, mm. and I think that's something that's really good to remember, especially because people in their shitty internet fandom way, uh, uh attacking Zaham and they're basically at attacking, you know, the people managing the social media accounts and, you know, mm. the, the, it's just the internet's kind of shitty, I don't have to deal with the consequences, but I want to let out my emotions attitude where they aren't actually doing what they think they're doing. You know, they're not mm. making the financiers for Zaham reconsider their actions. They're actually just making the day-to-day work of salaried social media managers really fucking difficult <laughs> um yes yeah totally but yeah yeah pretty pretty wild to see all that stuff and it is heartbreaking that they were working on a new project and um you know the the big kind of uh creatives that were there from the beginning have been moved on like mm. that that is definitely um that is that is heartbreaking um, but in yeah. saying that, uh, with Kurvitz reportedly taking the studio to court, 
uh, and and him and Hindpeer, uh, and probably Rostov owning some too. You know, they still own at least forty percent of the company. If you yep. did want to purchase, you know, a a, a Zaram shirt or a Disco Elysium pin or something, like now is the time to do it while the creators still have ownership of some um, of the company. Yeah, totally. Um, yeah, that's, that's a great call. Go out there and buy yourself a Disco Elysium uh, pin. <laughs> <laughs> I wish we could, like, link to, you know, here, go buy this. Oh, I uh, mean, I, I looked at the store the other day and literally every single thing is sold out. So. Oh, amazing. Okay, well, that's a good start. Yeah, I think I think people are doing, doing a good job. <clears throat> Yeah. Um, yeah. All right. Uh, it's, I, sorry, just quickly on this as well. It's quite yeah. sad that, um, you know, this, this company, this cultural collective had been around for so long and then their undoing was a video game, basically, you know, mm. like, like they entered this field and then got found out, you know, like they fucked around, and they found out. Mm. <laughs> like, well, they really I should think... never have touched the big goblet that was video <laughs> games. Yeah, I mean, I think you're right, but I think it was also the success. Like right. when when I played Disco Elysium, I was like, "Fuck, this game is incredible!" But it actually blew my mind how well recognized the game is. Like mm. it's. You know, you know how I was on on Metacritic a couple of episodes ago talking about how it's shit at actually describing good video games. It's much better at describing popular video games. Yeah. Disco Elysium was still in there as number ten of wow. the all time. You know, and yeah, right. and that shit blows my mind. I had no idea that like uh, the disgusting public had such good taste in all honesty. Um, <laughs> yeah. That makes me feel like, did anyone play Disco <laughs> Do they just buy it and set sitting in their steam library? Yeah. I mean, um. I, yeah, I think it just saw so much success and, and that's like, uh, I mean, I saw it's kind of related, but I saw an interview with Neil Gaiman, um, mm-hmm. recently where he was answering questions from like wannabe authors who were like, uh, you know, I, I have a really good f- idea for a vampire novel, um, but vampire novels are overdone. Like, can I copy and paste the narrative into another setting? And his answer was basically like, if you're passionate about a subject and you churn out something that is of a really high quality, a good vampire novel will always get published. Mm, um, yeah. and, and I think that kind of rings true here where like the quality of what's on display is at such a high level that it's just you know it's just impossible not to acknowledge it like sure it might be a taste thing and it's not for you but like it is just an incredible work of art really Mm. yeah good point yeah all right so anyway, we'll see you all next week when it's almost. <laughs> I, I make that joke every week, dude. <laughs> we inevitably get on some ridiculous tangent. Do you do you have any more three piece feed, or is that the? I got heaps of news. Let me just. I'll I'll, I'll churn through it. Um, I've got I've got a little bit of sad news. Um, oh. but I did I did want to kind of um, again just just recognize this kind of stuff. Um, but Andrew Nisrock. Kazonkin, um, who was a lead animator for Studio 4A games. Um, they're responsible for the Metro series. Oh, yeah. Um, he died while defending the Ukraine from Russia. Oh, wow. Um, his, his colleague Leonid, Leonid Stepanov tweeted that 
He died while performing a combat mission in the struggle for independence, sovereignty, and oh. territorial integrity of Ukraine. He was a talented animator, incredible person, and real hero. Rest in peace, friend. We all miss you. Um, but yeah, I just I just think that kind of stuff is important, and it really highlights how disgusting it is that as an animator in a war zone, you mm. are not safe. Absolutely. Yeah. I don't even have any follow up for that. I mean, rest in peace, obviously. That's just awful. Like, yeah, no, no one should be fighting in that war. Absolutely. Goddamn. Yeah. It's really sad, especially, yeah. especially animators. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and my final piece of news is CD Projekt Red have announced like a million fucking games. Um, oh, I thought they announced a sequel, but they announced more. Oh, bro. All right. <clears throat> Project Hader is a new IP coming from City Project Red. Yeah. Um, Project Sirius is a Witcher game. They've contracted the Molasses Flood to produce, which is a studio oh. I've never Yeah, I know Molasses of. Flood. Yeah, oh, yeah. do you? Oh, there you go. Yeah, yeah. Um, Project Polaris, which is an entirely new Witcher trilogy from CD Project Red. Uh, what the fuck? Project Canis Majoris, which is a story-driven open-world Witcher RPG from a third party. They've also announced Phantom Liberty, which is the Cyberpunk 27 expansion that they're making themselves. And they've, yep. and they've also announced Project Orion, which is the sequel to Cyberpunk 2077. What um, the heck? They announced all of these games like two weeks ago. And I just thought that was so tone deaf. Like <laughs> after the absolute clusterfuck of announcing oh. like t- Cyberpunk 10 years before it came out and like the hype being suffocating and the game being basically broken. Um, Oh, well not basically broken, but you know, there was the whole catastrophe of release and bugs and Sony removing it from their store, which they've never done in history. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, they just announced literally decades worth of work in a week and who knows how far production is. I mean, how how far do you think the production is on the Witcher trilogy? The brand new <laughs> Witcher trilogy. Like, come the fuck on. Why would you even say anything about that? Yeah, that is such a bizarre move uh, to announce these things. I guess maybe they got... To me, this feels like, you know, kid kid is excited about going to Disneyland energy, you know? Like, he's... Totally. He's like so excited and can't stop talking about it and everything he thinks like you know so like cyberpunk 2077 has had some success recently because of the um, trigger anime that came out um mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, edge runners and uh i guess that you know with the recent sales has been popping off for them that they're doing really well and so now they feel like it's time to like capitalize on the success and be like okay let's double down and announce a bunch of stuff whereas it should be time to just like shut up you know (laughs) like just enjoy the success quietly you know go about your plans you know set things in motion obviously they've set a whole bunch of stuff in motion but don't need to tell everyone (laughs) like what what a bizarre thing to do super weird especially off the back of us talking about how admirable it was for that um saints row studio to announce their game two months before release and just being like hell yeah like knowing what you're about being able to show what the game is actually going to look like how it's going to feel and then we've just got on the absolute opposite side of the spectrum cd project red fucking uh 
taking bong rips in their corporate bathrooms (laughs) and then being like, let's get on Twitter and announce all this shit. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. We just got off the phone. We've had like a really positive discussion (laughs) with our partners. It's like nothing is signed yet. You know, there's none of these deals have actually gone ahead. There's no ink. The ink is not even wet. It's just (laughs) non-existent. They're just like, it's happening. (laughs) It's it's all happening for us. Be excited. Oh, God. Yeah, that's that's the feeling I get. Very strange. Yeah. Wow. Okay. All right. (laughs) Go up, CD Project Red, I guess. (laughs) Yeah, good luck with that bullshit. Oh, God. Um, So... Do you have a topic this week, Joe? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, God. Um, so, yeah, this week's topic... I mean, I'm glad that we, we spent, you know, the four-fifths of the episode talking about um, this stuff. Yeah. Because I don't really know how much I have to say about this, this topic. The topic is streaming services and subscription services. So, mm-hmm. in the past, you've mentioned... Um, well, we had a little bit of a chat, too. I think it was two weeks ago now, about... Uh, Microsoft Game Pass uh-huh. and um, the way it can influence the way games are made. Yeah, yep. And so um, I think you might have to refresh me on like what your views are on this, but you were saying something that I found really interesting and it was like um, something like having developers who are making games solely for the service uh, releasing a vertical slice of their game um in order to, you know, have that be the way that they generate sales for the game or not sales, but, you know, interest in the game yeah. and interest in the platform and have it just be a way that de- it changes the way games are developed. And I was wondering if you could linger on that for me and sort of expound a little bit more on what your sort of idea is there. Yeah, definitely. So, I mean, this just came from me thinking about how the service acts today or like Mm -hmm. how the service works. So um, I talked a little bit about how it's changed the way I purchase games or or it's changed when I purchase games. Um, So like because Xbox Game Pass is $10 a month and you get like 200 games and honestly, like the games on that list are pretty sick and um, there's a lot of them I haven't played that I'm really keen to jump on. So for, for me, that kind of sits there as a benchmark for uh, a really solid gaming experience is going to cost me $10. And so yeah. when a new game comes out or like there's a game on sale that I'm really interested in, if it's over $10, I'm like, well, is it going to be better than the experience I know I'm going to get from Xbox Game Pass. And, you know, it only has to be over $10 for me to ask that question. And if the answer is no, I'm just not buying it. Um, And so it made me think, like, if everyone acted like that, it would change how we purchase games in the future. Like, you know, services like Xbox Game Pass would just reign supreme. Um, and I think what it's doing now, which is something I really like as a consumer, but maybe you can jump in and tell me, uh, that it's some misguided bullshit, but (laughs) one of the things, um, I like, and Xbox's Xbox game pass is the only service that does it is it has committed to releasing all of the games, um, that it can get access to on day one. Um, so any Xbox exclusive video game that comes out is going to be available day one on Xbox Game Pass. 
right. And so what that means is like when games have a recommended retail price of like, I don't know what what it is in Australia for the new generation, like eighty bucks, ninety bucks. Yeah, yeah, um, it fluctuates, but yeah. Yeah, let's say it's eighty dollars. It's just like, why would you buy the brand new Halo for eighty dollars when you could get Halo and two hundred other games for eight months for eighty dollars like that? Just there's no there's no reason to buy yeah, a, a yeah. physical copy of Halo for eighty dollars when the other option is just like insane when it comes to value yeah. and like variety. Yeah. Um, and so my thinking was like, what, what if that kind of evolves into something that actually isn't so good for the consumer? Um, yep. because, because right now, like, and we've gotten a, a great example for, for today when we're recording, not when this podcast airs, but today a game, uh, called Scorn came out. Scorn. Scorn. Has no dialogue. Yes. <laughs> um, and you know, uh, ba- basically everyone is trashing it. Um, oh no! It's it's apparently not that great. Um, oh. But nearly nearly all the reviews I've seen, uh, and again, this is just like a collection of um, review conclusions that I saw someone kind of amalgamate and 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 put in a post. Um, but everyone's like, you know, it's it's pretty, but it's got all these problems. But it's absolutely worth playing if you've got Xbox Game Pass. Right. And, and I think that's the key. It's like Xbox Game Pass and being subscribed to a service like that enables you to pick up a game that maybe you don't or you aren't that interested in. Maybe it's not the best game you've ever heard of, but like because it's there, um, it's day one, like you've got access to it. Like right. why not just pick it up for an hour? And yeah. like that kind of... Um, window into the double A sphere is something I find really attractive about the service. Um, yeah, yeah. And, and I would hope like studios that do create those double A games that aren't quite indie and, and don't have the budget of triple A, like I think that's a really cool option. Um, yeah. Because from, from all um, things that I can see, like Xbox Game Pass is really successful. Like it's it's successful for the studios and it's successful for the consumer, which is like a win-win. And at ten dollars a month, like, uh, like that—that's really attractive. Um, yeah. But yeah, so my my thoughts going into the future are: what if this evolves into something that uh, is a little more sinister and predatory, so that you know we have studios recognizing that. 60% of the players, and I'm just pulling this out of my ass, you know, this yeah, yeah. is 10 years in the future or whatever. Let's say like 60, 70% of our players are going to play this game because of a subscription service. Like, wouldn't it be better for us to actually split development so that we have, say, um, you know, let's say it's a linear story game and we put six hours on oh. on Game Pass and, you know, it's a, it's a complete story. Like, it's all good. Um, but, but really to get the whole experience, there's DLC, which is an additional, you know, $20. Um, and that adds another six hours of content. And so the service becomes this kind of like pond to dip your toes in. Um, and it's like, oh yeah, I want to try all these experiences. This is an experience I like, so I'm going to pay more for the full experience. Um, yeah. Yeah. That's kind of what. 
I'm theorizing might happen. But really, that's, that's like, you know, dependent on a lot of things falling into place. It's dependent on studios recognizing that that's an option and not copping flack, which they almost certainly will. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's just, I don't know, when I look at Game Pass today, it just feels a little too good to be true. And yeah. the cynical side of me is like, well, what would need to change for it to make sense in my capital brainwashed brain? I'm trying to spin that up too. I'm like, I need to come up with some argument <laughs> as to why this is trash because it's a monopoly. You know, yeah, like, yeah. where is the bad part here? I'm like, okay, so they've got, <laughs> they've got market share, right? They've got a, a loyal base of subscribers that are giving them $10. I think there's like millions of them, right? So they're getting like $10 million a month or whatever. Oh, it's, it's, oh way more. It's, it's, it's huge. Heaps, right? and, yeah. and, and the thing about subscription services and why they're so successful and why there was that huge change in the mobile sphere, like with apps and stuff, where suddenly yeah. just to get a cool notes app, like you had to start paying per month. Yeah. is because people forget about that shit. They yeah. forget they've subscribed. And so you're getting money from a portion of your player base that isn't even using the surface and at yeah. the service, sorry. And as a company trying to make profit, that's that's free real estate, baby. <laughs> like, yeah, free money. It's legit well, free money. Exactly. Why why wouldn't you? Yeah. And so, yeah, they've got this, yeah, huge point. I mean, yeah, so they've got this um, huge amount of money coming in every month. Some of it's free and some of it's like actually having to show a service to a portion of the people, right? Right, right. Um, and, and, you know, what do they then do with that money? Like they say, okay, we're going to invest X amount into purchasing games, pre-existing games from studios that or publishers that aren't already on the service, right? So that's like, I don't know, let's just say it's like 40% of the pie. So like, for instance, they'll come to Annapurna and say, hey, can we get Artful Escape on Xbox Game Pass for like four months? And they'll be like, yeah, sure. Here's how much it's going to cost you. And they're like, all right, no worries. We got big dollars. Yeah. Um, and they do that with a bunch of other studios and they get a bunch of games on the service, right? For a, a period of time. Yeah, yeah. Um, sometimes permanent, which is crazy to me. And sometimes like for um, a period of time, maybe a year. Yeah, I mean, it's just a name your price type scenario. Yeah, yeah. And then you've got other studios, which is, I, I guess, 60%. I don't know. I'm trying to, like, quantify exactly where the money's going, which is such a weird black box. But, mm. yeah, and then you've got other studios where they are the publisher and they're funding games being made. So, like, Obsidian is a Microsoft-owned company now. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. And so they're just like, you know, you can basically have however much money you need to grow in order to facilitate, you know, X amount of games every X amount of years. Um you know, sign sign here, uh, mm. and then and then we get day one exclusivity. You can also release on whatever whatever other platforms you happen to want, but we get day one exclusivity for, um, for all intents and purposes in, in perpetuity or whatever. So yeah, yeah, there's there's that part part of it as well where they they are also just publishing. Uh, yeah, yeah, which is huge. So they've just got this huge bank, you know, bank account now where they can just give devs money to make games, which seems like a good thing. Right. Um, and a service to launch it on with a pre-existing audience, which seems like a good thing. Right. Um, and then, yeah, you've got the consumer side of it as well, which is just like, you know, $10 for, you know, like you said, eight months, 80 bucks, the cost of an average game instead of paying that for, you know, 
uh, one game, you get 200 plus games plus whatever comes out during that time, day one. Yeah. It seems like it seems like a really like they've spent a lot of money, obviously, to get this thing spun up, and this, the success of it relies on that base, you know, consumer uh, level of ad- adoption, which they seem to have got somehow. Mm. Like that's you know that's pretty special that they managed to to do that in the first place. Yeah. Um. So yeah, I mean, I don't. I guess I don't really have a problem with it, but yeah, like gazing into the future bull, the the looking glass, uh, uh-huh. and being like, okay, well. If, if they start to have it be something that requires, you know, like Sony's idea is like you get like tiered membership. So you have like certain stuff that comes out at, at certain price points, which is just like the natural evolution for, for a lot of these services. It seems, you know, Netflix is doing like a $6 thing now where it's like you get ads and you, but you also get Netflix. Yeah. Kind of yeah. I mean, so it's... Do they it's... start advertising on the Microsoft front page you know and are they paying like who's paying for the advertising what companies are they like what's what's the go it, it just feels very early right like mm. this is you know this is the equivalent to the the 80s for video games like we're <laughs> we're in the 80s for video games but for subscription services and i think yeah i think all the big players are just going to try as many models as they can to determine what sees the most success um but there's also a couple more variables when you start comparing like the Microsoft Game Pass and the the Sony, you know, PS Plus Essentials and the other tiers and that kind of thing, because Sony currently has market share for consoles. Um, right. And they're a lot more stingy with their service. So like even on the highest tier, which is more expensive than the Xbox Game Pass, you still mm. don't get games day one. Um, like right, Sony yeah. published games. I think yeah. I think in the higher tiers you get the ability to demo new games on day one. Um, right, but you, still you don't get the full game. You don't get full access. And now that I say that out loud, that's that's actually kind of similar to the thing I was talking about. You know, like day one you get a bite of the game. You know, yeah. you get a couple of hours with it, um, and then you have to pay more to see the rest of it. That's actually kind of what Sony's doing right now with those high tiers. Um, so, um, speaking of previews, you can get previews on Game Pass as well. It looks like they've got games that are currently in development. So, for example, if you go to oh. the, the Game Pass front page, it's like, discover your next favorite game. And the, the top five games on, on the thing here is Scorn. Uh, and then they've got one here called Dyson Sphere Program, and then in brackets Game Preview, and a banner saying Game Preview. Uh, when I when I press on it, when I click on it with my, my mouse hand, uh-huh. uh, it brings up uh, the thing here, and it's just, it just says Game Preview. So I imagine you get the game for a period of time or the first few levels. It doesn't say anywhere what the preview has. Right. Yeah, I mean, I wonder what preview means in that context. Is that preview as in the game is unreleased and it's like an early access type thing? Or is that the game is fully released and you can use it for half an hour to see if you like it? Um, yeah, I don't know. Because it has a release date here and the release date was two days ago. Right, um, right. So I don't know if that means like the release date of the early access slash game preview thing or what. Right. I would have yeah. I would have to look into this. Um yeah, yeah, this is quite strange. Like it's called it's like already doing the thing that you predicted, maybe. <laughs> um, I've I've read the tea leaves. 
yeah you've seen the future baby uh um but yeah so like i th- i think there's you know we're gonna see a lot of different types of subscriptions um mm. which is good i think initially but i think if we fast forward a couple of years i think all the major services will probably share the same type and it's going to be the type which makes them the most money um so if if that's something that's tiered like playstation does and it kind of walls off newer releases to the higher tiers then that's probably what xbox is going to do um and then then you've also got nintendo who are just living on their own planet in fucking outer space yeah and and they're like our service is a fifth of the price but all the games are 30 years old (laughs) (laughs) yeah and it's 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 weird i feel like there's a big opportunity for them to be like hey aggressive here's a premium subscription service and guess what you fucking get all the good ones you get mario (laughs) kart and super smash bros and it's just like it's interesting that they're still sticking to that old cartridge digital model um when yeah, I mean, Sony and, and Microsoft and, like, I think PC uh, or, you know, uh, publishers that have a big PC base are doing it. Like, yeah. uh, Epic, I think Epic Store yeah, Epic have Store a subscription. A yeah. Uh, they have, um, I, I, I'm not 100% sure, but they had a, if they have a subscription, but you do get free games just for having Epic. Like, you don't right. pay anything, you get three free games a month. Right. Um, which is wild. Uh, but yeah, let me see here. Uh, I don't see anywhere where they're trying to ask you to buy a service, but on tiered membership, Games Pass actually does have a tiered membership. I'll read some stuff to you real quick. I know oh. we're running out of time, but... Oh, really? Yeah. So there's Game Pass for console, which is ten ninety five a month, and that is uh, unlimited access to all the games, uh, new games added all the time, Xbox Game Studio titles uh, the day they release, and membership discounts and deals. That's ten ninety five. Yep. Then there's the PC Game Pass, and that's $1.00. For introductory for the first month so you pay one dollar you get 200 games for a month imagine wild. imagine being the sucker buying halo day one for 80 dollars and you could have paid one dollar <laughs> yeah, and, and played it and then just never renewed your thing and i guess that's the whole thing that you're talking about before right like if you if you are one of those people who like sets an alarm in your phone to cancel your subscription pass then this is mm. ideal right yeah a hundred percent why why wouldn't you at least try it yeah and you also get EA Play, which is a library of top electronics arts titles, uh, exclusive rewards, and member-only content on PC. So EA has a service as well, typed Game Pass, apparently. Um, right. And you get uh, a library. You just get a library of EA games, apparently, with this. So $1. $1. And then you get Game Pass Ultimate, which is also $1 <laughs> for the introductory <laughs> month. Wow. Uh, and let me see if I can figure out. So this includes, uh, what do we got here? Free perks, which is kind of nothing. Uh, play games on your mobile phone and tablet from the cloud. So I'm guessing that's sort of like some sort of um, Stadia style thing that they're trying to get, get in on. Not if you're in Australia. But probably not in Australia and other low, low, uh, high latency countries. Yeah. Uh, and that includes Xbox Live Gold and it also includes EA Play. So. Oh, yeah. right. I mean... It's just, it's just bizarre, right? Like if you buy two full priced games every year, you're spending more money than Xbox Game Pass for an entire year and Mm. you're getting two games instead of 200. Like, 
why would you ever buy two full-priced games ever when you could do something like that <laughs> yeah i suppose if the games that you're interested in playing aren't on the pass right that's the oh a hundred percent and that's yeah. that's like the main reason but like if 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 you're just happy to be patient there's a chance those games might appear there yeah which they have in the past yeah yeah, yeah and in the past end up there for a year yeah. yeah and like if if you're the kind of person who's had this hobby for a really long time and you've played everything as it's come out maybe these services aren't attractive to you because mm. there's nothing there that you want to play or there's nothing there that you haven't played before um and you know maybe you just play call of duty and fifa every year and you want to make sure that you know you can access those on day one so you buy a physical copy um but really i would expect that to be the minority you know i can't i can't think of any of my friends who would look at that list and be like yeah i've i've played those <laughs> you know like yeah. it's just such a big library of games yeah it's nuts um, and uh, i guess i'm wondering like so let's say you're a developer and you uh, want to develop a game under Microsoft's partnership or with, you know, them being your publisher. Mm -hmm. um, what does that mean for the success of the title on the game pass? You know, so, so let's just say, um, I'm trying to find an example of like what I'm trying to say here. So it's like, I, I think, I think I get it. Um, yeah, like I, how much does that cost you compared to if you didn't do that? You know, like what's the yeah. Deal? So I remember way back in 2014, um, I saw an interview with the studio head for Rocket League, yep. um, and they basically decided, based on the offer from PlayStation, to be on the PS Plus service on release rather yep. than release. Um, in like the regular isolated format. Um, yeah. I, I think with Rocket League, it's again, a couple of variables that make more sense in this context. Rocket League being an online only game for them to launch with an online service does make a lot of sense. Um, but basically the studio head um, talked to Sony, they got an offer and, you know, they crunched the numbers and they they looked at what they would hope to make on release if they didn't go with Sony and the Sony number was pretty close and guaranteed. Yeah. And, yeah. and, and he was just like, why wouldn't you take guaranteed money? Like that keeps the studio paid. It keeps yeah. us in business. If it does well, you know, what, what's important for us because it's an online only game is having a play account and like, not only are we going to get a guaranteed paycheck, but we're probably going to get a guaranteed minimum number of players in the first week. And that's yeah. really important for a game like this. Um, so, I mean, yeah, bouncing off what you're saying, as a studio, if you have those two options, go on Game Pass or release in the regular isolated physical and digital format... Um, let's say you want to, uh, make $10 million, um, and Microsoft offers you $9 million. Like, why wouldn't you take the $9 million? Mm. It just, it, it seems a lot safer for studios just to take some guaranteed money, keep everyone paid. And then, like I said, you know, that, that gives them the opportunity to keep the lights on and maybe make some DLC, um, 
or if you've gone off the rails and fired your three creative figureheads, you know, hire some <laughs> monetization specialists and truly fuck things up. Uh, yeah, yeah. I don't know, man. It's crazy. I, I feel like I, I went into this, like, uh, topic of streaming services with, like, an idea but of, like, what I thought about it, but now I feel super lost. <laughs> just, like, <laughs> just like, I don't know what I feel anymore. Uh, <laughs> Because Grounded is on the Game Pass, obviously, because it's a um, Obsidian game. And I've, oh, yeah. I thought me, you, and Twilight Priest should play Grounded, but I don't know how that would go with Xbox and uh, PC crossover or whatever. I don't know. But yeah, right. that game looks really cool. Right. Cool. It's like uh, Honey, Honey, I Shrunk the Kids, but you're uh, you're one of the kids and you're running around trying to <laughs> build a base in the, in the grass. Yeah, cool. That sounds, that sounds sick. I think... Um... I think for, for anyone who played it as a kid, like the idea of being small in a regular environment is really attractive. And I think for me, that came from playing Simant. Simant! Yeah, yeah, I knew you were going to say Simant. Yeah, <laughs> dude. That game was awesome. Dude, Simant fucking ruled. Simant. I feel like I never really got very far in it, but I enjoyed it. Oh, man. Yeah, I, I figured out that you could um, fast forward things to an insane degree so like the hardest part of that game is the beginning right when it's just like you and another ant's nest and like yeah. a spider turns up every now and again but i figured once you took over like a couple of plots of land you could just put that shit on fast forward and leave it and like sometimes i would take over the entire house and win and not lift a finger after those first yeah, couple right. of hours but like yeah. either way it would be this really interesting kind of war between lawnmowers my black ants and the enemy red ants and like it was just almost like a show you know you would set yeah. things up as best you can and then fast forward the shit out of it and just see what happens <laughs> yep yeah oh my god that's awesome yeah I, I remember playing that game and just being confused by everything that happened <laughs> you like slowly wrap your head around it you're like oh this i can do this can't do that i love those those weird old sim games for that reason totally um okay well looks like i'm gonna have to try microsoft game pass uh, okay right. <laughs> uh give money to the money gods yeah give steve jobs some no who is it that owns microsoft it's um, bill gates bill gates give mr gates some more money yeah yeah all right and on that note, <laughs> I hope you all right. have a wonderful weekend. Oh my god, our finishing notes have been so shit recently. Yeah. We're like, on that note. <laughs> yeah. uh, oh, so good. All right, man. Do you have any closing thoughts or notes on uh, subscription services? No, I got nothing. I got nothing. But uh, there's a game on Microsoft Game Pass called Outer Wilds, and I'm real excited to get to that eventually. Yeah, yeah. Maybe we should have a week like a book club style one where we both play the same game during the week and come back. Bro, and that that's a fucking excellent idea. You know, we could even we could even involve the fans. We could have, oh. you know, like at the start of the month, be like, uh, we're gonna play whatever it is, Outer Wilds, and then oh, at the end of the month, we'll air the episode where we talk about it. And that way, like, people can play along. They can write in. That could be cool. I like it. I like it a lot. Hell Let's yeah. do it. Hell yeah. Uh, if you like that idea, give us a five-star rating on Spotify. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right. All right.
I, that's it. I got nothing. We'll see you next All time. Right. It's almost the weekend. All right. Bye. Bye.